0: Me, sir. Bobo. Hug me. Squeeze me. I get my fur. Just back to the left point. Hannafin shoots. He scores.
1: That was embarrassing and uh
2: tough to watch. Centering pass. They score again. It's a failure. Got a lot of work to do, a lot of internal talks.
1: for right circle for Inato
2: scores.
0: Good morning, Vancouver. Six o'clock on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studios in beautiful Fairview slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Basketball Ben, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them on the internet at everythingfinancial.com.
1: We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your, perfect, find your perfect fit at kintec.net. I can't even read.
0: Wow. Wow. That was a poor performance. It's okay. There's plenty of those on the weekend. What's happening on the program today? You may be asking 630. David Amber, Hockey Night Canada Sportsnet NHL host, is going to join us. I don't know what we're going to talk to David about, to be perfectly honest. Sometimes I promise things and we don't deliver. I don't know what we're going to talk to him about. Probably hockey. You'll have to stay tuned and find out no, at
1: I, 6.30. So I actually do know what I want to talk to David about. Tell me. And, yeah, we'll we'll mention, like, hey, have you ever seen a 10-0 preseason game? What's yes. that about? it's not an 11-0 preseason game. Um, I want to talk to him about Ottawa because Michael Landlauer, the new owner there, is doing a bunch of uh, media, including press conferences, and um, – I don't know how good it's looking for Pierre Dorian right now. So you're talking about the soon-to-be future
0: Hamilton Senators,
1: correct? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, laddie. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. First
0: question for David. When do they move to Hamilton? Wishful thinking. I love it. Uh, David Amber at 7 30. Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger. What a Sunday of action. I believe the Miami Dolphins just scored another touchdown on the Denver Broncos. Bringing the score to 77-20. to We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Seahawks. We'll talk about everything that went on in a wild and crazy Sunday in the National Football League. We can look ahead to Monday Night Football as well. 8 o'clock. It's Murph making his season debut. Yes, Dan Murphy, Sportsnet's very own, on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Canucks lost a squeaker yesterday in Calgary. (laughs) We'll talk to Murph about that. So working in reverse, 8 o'clock, it's Murph. 7.30, it's Mike Tannier. 6.30, it's David Amber. We have a ton of stuff to get into. So without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What
1: happened? I missed all the action because I was
0: what happened is brought to you by the bc construction safety alliance making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools resources and safety training visit them online at bccsa.ca i want to deliver this news as straightforward and objectively as possible the canucks lost a hockey game 10-0 last night in Calgary. Although to say the Canucks lost it really isn't all that objective because this was in no way, shape, or form anything remotely close to what the Vancouver Canucks will be icing when the season opens up in October. However, Calgary apparently did not get the same memo. (laughs) Calgary, with a lineup that included Jonathan Huberto, Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, Noah Hannafin, Dylan Dubé, Jacob Markstrom, and Nett, uh leah sanderson and chris tan a former vancouver canuck went out and beat the crap out of the canucks 10-0 i repeat 10-0 in the exhibition opener oh, 10-0 yeah.
1: you know what i enjoyed the desperate desperate attempts by canucks fans to find anything positive from that game they're like i thought otu ratu played well so- hey look at matt Irwin sticking up for nils holglender yep Nils Hoglander uh, tried, I guess. That was good. Good.
0: I just, I, you know what? I get what you're... It was a total waste of time. I get yeah, it. was a total you. waste of time. Okay, that's what I was saying. The there, game was a
1: waste of time. There
0: should be <laughs> nothing taken, either positively or negatively, from that game. The only takeaway I had was, like, Calgary kind of being dicks about this? Like, what, are the, what was the point of that exercise last night? Anyone. And I, you know what? I was actually... The most fired up I was was the reactions from certain people who should know better. People that are paid money to cover this sport, people that actively watch this team on a regular basis, somehow trying to take anything away from that game last night.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think no. For the, hold on, for the guys on the ice, it was embarrassing. Embarrassing to get beat by guys that are better than you. Yes, ten yeah. nothing. in the NHL,
0: is that's embarrassing. That that was not the NHL. They were wearing NHL jerseys. The NHL.com box score was there, but that was not an NHL. It's still game. embarrassing for the, the NHL guys. box score had Kirill Kolsov. In the scratches for the Canucks, it was okay. One you of know those what? days, apparently. For uh, Max Sasson, Max Sasson's probably going to wear that for a while, and I feel bad for him and his line mates, Klimovich and Aiden McDonough. But that that I there's nothing to be taken from that,
1: <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so I, I actually wonder: Did anyone ask Rick Tockett what the point of that was? Like, what was he What was he trying to accomplish? Because sure. okay, l- let's lay it out a little bit easier for everyone. The Canucks broke camp, or they, not broke camp, they finished camp on Saturday and they had their annual scrimmage. And then they had to fly immediately to Calgary for a game on Sunday. So, not surprisingly, the likes of Petey, Hughes, Miller, Kuzmenko, Horonic, Besser, Garland, Cole, Susie Demko, Myers, Bluger, Bovillier, none of those guys went and played in the game. Um, Now, maybe... You might bring a few of those guys over, yeah. a few more of those guys over, but you know, if they. If we know how these things, things go in these preseason games. Um, the veterans often don't play the first preseason game. It's a day after training camp ended. If I'm mad at anyone, and frankly, it's the schedule makers. I'm mad at I'm Calgary. Cal- I'm kind of like, ah, Calgary ran it up. Good for them. They're trying to find their vibes, right? Well, they found it. and they, well, they It's they it up all being a
0: bunch of jerks. Was okay. there not a gentleman's agreement at some part of the line here? Is there not? Am I
1: wrong? Am I so wrong? Well, you know what I'm curious about actually is um, how much communication is there between the coaches of the two teams? Because looking forward in the preseason, the Canucks play the Oilers twice. So the Canucks and the Oilers start the regular season with two games. So you're going to see a lot of the Oilers in the next little while. Is there any conversation between Rick Talkett and his coaches and Edmonton's coaches to be like, hey, what do you guys want to do here? Yeah. <laughs> do you got do you guys wanna do you wanna have do you wanna have a real game at some point in the next little while? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure Calgary actually did get a little something out of last night's game. Like I know you think it's totally useless for the Canucks, and I mostly agree with you, although I still think that was embarrassing last night. And I still think that if they're trying to dial in structure and systems, There's some more dialing in to do, apparently. And individually, there were some performances that lacked anything. Uh, But I think Calgary's trying to regain the good vibes, right? They've got a new coach. Daryl Sutter's out of there. They've been talking about how it's fun now, and we like coming to the rink, especially when we win 10-0. But looking ahead to the preseason, um, the Canucks probably want to have some actual close-to-real games, to prepare for a very important season, and last night for me, I'm just watching it and I'm like, "This is the what? What are we doing here? What is what is the point?" So did Rick Tockett say anything about? Yeah, this?
0: he mentioned. Okay, so there's a, there was a clip pregame, short one, but he just kind of explained loosely what the concept was going into the subsequent ten nothing loss to Calgary. Tockett, pregame here, and then we'll play the post afterwards.
2: Yeah, I mean, you want to get the young guys in. You know, there's some there's some guys that. Uh... That I think deserve a shot, just the way they've, you know, maybe they weren't on the radar that I've liked in camp. You know, and it's the first game, you know.
0: So there was the pregame, and what followed was Talkett explaining what happened after the young guys got in there and lost 10 nothing to Calgary. Rick game. postgame, uh, there's a little bit of back and forth with some of the reporters
2: here about what he saw, or more specifically, what he didn't. Some guys were working, they worked hard. It's, um, you know, some, it was lower bit <clears throat> They had a great lineup, but it some, some of our guys are a little rich for them right there, and we just, you know, you got to learn. You know, you got to learn from your your mistakes and stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of giveaways, obviously the power play, power play goals. Then you're chasing the game. You guys were trying, they're, listen, they were trying. It
3: seemed like you guys did find your footing at about, about five minutes left in the first until about the halfway part of the
2: second period
3: uh, when it was yeah. five on five since
2: they did play. Yeah, I mean, we're being, you know, in these type of games, you try to play simple, um, and then you know what happens. You know, obviously they get another power play goal. then guys start chasing and stuff. Then get out of get out of the system. You know, three or four guys are playing man on man out there when we start to panic. And that's what I don't like. Like, just stick with the system. But but like I said, it, it's a learning. I know people don't want to hear, it, but it is a learning experience. These guys are young guys, and you gotta, you know, you teach them. Keep teaching.
1: So listen, I'm not I'm not gonna get upset at this game. I'm not. A um, few people in the text message inbox trying to get me upset um, by basically saying, like, relax, guys. Wow, relax, guys. What, what, what? No, no, I'm angry because people are paying attention to this as, like, a thing. That's what I'm angry about. Okay, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yes. Um, since you took nothing away from this game, apparently, where's Vasily Podkolzin going to go? Probably to in the game? American League. Yeah. If he keeps playing like this. Well, that's something to take away. Okay. Right? Like yeah. he, he, didn't, he didn't do anything last night. And I think the, one of the things with Pod Colson um, is that, uh, remember we had Rick Tocchett on and we asked him, what do, you got, what do you want from Hoaglander and Pod Colson? And the first thing he said was enthusiasm, right? Mm-hmm. These young guys are supposed to bring energy. They're supposed to be able to get in on the forecheck uh, and, and make some things happen, blow up some plays if they have to. Uh, Hoaglander tries to do that and got in a good lick on a Calgary player at one point. Um, he makes a few mistakes too. And Takit said, yeah, 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 he played okay. He's got to learn not to stick handle through everything sometimes. So they're still figuring it out on Hoaglander, but at least there were some positives. For me, Pod the um, like he was invisible out there. He he didn't do anything. So Hoaglander, I thought, showed up. Uh, I think Atu Ratu at least showed up. Pod Colson right now for me. And remember, he's been given an opportunity at camp. He was skating with Miller and Besser. So they, like, they want him to be successful. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those guys that came into the season with a bit of a like, hey, if it's not now, it might be never, never kind of thing. Uh, didn't have a very good camp, according to the people that were there. And then, so that's a, that's a takeaway for me it really is sure. And if and if you want to take away if you want someone to watch that game and say like well there was nothing to take away from that's fine because it was it was a total it was a waste of time. But for the young guys for for the young guys that were trying to make an impression that might make the team and there are a few guys in there that might have made the team before last night's performance. Yeah. Right. Like it was, it was pretty dreadful. And Pod Colson better get going because there's a lot of you know how in Vancouver, um, there are some people that will never ever admit until the very end that it's over for a prospect. Like there were people that when Oliu Levy was curled up in the corner of the of training camp, were like, this isn't a big deal. And I'm like, "Ah, uh, it is, it's a massive deal. Mm-hmm. You know that uh you know in that Simpsons when they when Homer makes the the pig and it flies through the air it's and it's just a little wet it's still, it's, good. Just a little, it's still good it's still good it's still good Pod Colson is like now that that pig like you left that was the Ulevi pig more like pig Colson and skin. now it's the Pod Colson pig because like everyone's going to be like, oh it's, it's still good it's still good it's still good he's been in the league for a little while now and you know someone got me on Twitter yesterday it was like can you remember any Pod Colson plays Like, what was a big Paul Colson play? I'm like, no, I can't. And Rick Tockett has said, this guy needs to go out and play a little more reckless, right? Mm -hmm. He needs to go play with a little swagger. He's not doing that. Yeah. He was the 10th overall pick, and if he wasn't the 10th overall pick, we'd watch him and we'd be like, there's nothing here.
0: Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm saying is that last night's game – wasn't necessarily um like a standalone moment for Pod Kulzin to either shine or fail. Like this is what you saw from him is kind of what you've seen from him for a while now. Like it wasn't any dramatically different than like you know what I mean? Like Pod Kulzin was invisible last night. Well, he's been invisible for a while. Do you think he's the
1: type of player though that needs to play with guys that are more oh, no, talented think, than him? I or think, or I think
0: he's playing he's with Pius Suter and Jack Stenica really Really benefited. Well, that's the only place he's going to make
1: an impact because I wouldn't put him in the top six, you know, if. Oh, I I mean, he'll he'll even close. He probably would have more opportunities playing with better players, like anyone. It's
0: just a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. But, like, okay, you got to understand. I I think I haven't made this abundantly clear already, but I just want. I don't care so much about the game last night, I care about people that should know better. And people that have watched the sport. Who was making a big
1: deal out of it, man? Lots of people. Really? Yes, lots of people. They were making a big deal out of that. Yes,
0: yes. And this isn't just the social media echo chamber thing either. This is people that should know better talking about an exhibition game like it matters at all. Mm. The score of exhibition games do not matter. The results of exhibition games do not matter. They don't matter to the players. I have seen countless Countless preseason games where you can tell that everyone just wants to get through it because there's no stakes involved whatsoever. If you win 10 nothing or lose 10 nothing, it does not matter. You don't think there were stakes involved for the young players in that game? There were stakes involved for the young players in that game who are not going to be playing in the NHL this year.
1: That's well, the some only of them are hoping to be. Yeah, and they're not going to. That's the only thing that matters to me. Well, like, I think that matters when you're trying to make your lineup. Who are you impressed by
0: in that game? I, the guys that are going to make a difference are Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Andre Kuzmenko, Philip Heronig, Brock Besser, Connor Garland, Ian Cole, Carson Soucy, Thatcher Demko, Tyler Myers, Teddy
1: Bluger, and Anthony yeah, but, Beauvillier, but, none of whom played last night. But, but, Mike, night. the Canucks need to make decisions on certain guys. Like, Noah Juleson started camp with Quinn Hughes, and they still don't have a. a – they're not still not certain who's going to – play with Quinn Hughes. No Juleson was horrific last night. He was terrible, mm-hmm. you know? So like his shot is over, I think, to play with Quinn Hughes. We'll see. I, mean, I think we're going to see Carson Soucy start there in the next game, which is Wednesday and against Edmonton. I think for a lot of those guys um, who were hoping to make an impact or hoping to maybe even start the season in the NHL and impress some people in camp, which we've seen in previous Vancouver camps, right? Oh, we didn't expect this guy to make the team, but he did mm-hmm. last night. Man, it was bad. It was really bad. And for a team that's been preaching like this new structure, and uh, the structure didn't look so good. Let's talk about the Seahawks because the Seahawks beat uh, the Carolina Panthers thirty-seven to twenty-seven to move to two and one. That was a game that Pete Carroll absolutely loved mm-hmm. because you know what the Seahawks did in the second half. They ran the ball down the throats of the Carolina Panthers, and they did it with an offensive line that was had a bunch of backups in there that played really, really well to the point that I was like, hmm, maybe they shouldn't be backups because they look pretty good running the ball. So long, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. Yeah, it was remarkable what they did. They,
0: for the third consecutive game now, they dominated the line of scrimmage. The Carolina Panthers had zero Zero run game yesterday in that aforementioned 37-27 win. So much so that they dropped Andy Dalton back to pass 58 times. Yeah, And part of that was by design because they were chasing the game because they trailed after going up 13-9. The Seahawks really took control of that game. But it was also that when they got the ball back, it was so infrequent that they needed to make plays because the Seahawks were dominating time of possession. Like mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker finished 97 rushing yards and two touchdowns. I love Zach Charbonnet. He's a little bullet there. He just puts his head down and blows guys up. He's pretty good. I was like, Jose Charbonneau looks pretty good out there. <laughs> Remember him? That's a good pull from back in the day. It, was, it, it wasn't it. was an oil painting of a win, it was a little too close for comfort at times well, given that it was not a great Carolina team being led by Andy Dalton.
1: but So I watched the, day, the entire Pete Carroll press conference afterward, and the only thing he was disappointed in was the red zone offense um, in the first half. Like, they couldn't get in the end zone. Five, Jason, five, Jason Myers, by the way, played really well. Yeah. Five field goals in the first half, and he had been struggling uh, earlier in the season, so it was good to see him have a solid game. It was also good to see the Seattle crowd being a factor again. Games in Seattle for the last few seasons, it hasn't been this place where the Seahawks dominate. The Seahawks were only 5-4 and four at home last season, and they made the playoffs last season. The year before, the record was even worse in Seattle. And, of course, they lost at home in week one to the Rams, so in their last 10 games, they were 5-5 five and five in Seattle. Uh, Carolina had like what eight false starts because of the Seattle crowd. But you know and, who and, and you know man-to. who was really you know who was really pumped about the crowd like right away was the head coach Pete Carrolls. Like the first thing he said was how happy he was that the crowd played a factor.
0: And you know who was part of that crowd yesterday? Basketball band. The guy who ah. lost
1: his voice and then recovered his voice and then nice. lost it again. Were you loud? Very loud. Really? It was it was electric in there. Yeah. And the it eight was... fall starts, like every false start just fed into the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was like four on that one there, drive. There yeah. was the sequence <laughs> what of was What's Carolina <laughs> doing out there? They looked so discombobulated. Yeah, it was oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was great. It was great yeah. to see. And I think that is uh that is the type of game that the Seahawks want to play. Like that's what they're designed by. Designed for. And that's why they keep drafting running backs like Kenneth Walker, uh, Charbonnet, who, and I love this, I love this combo of running backs because Kenneth Walker, not to put them too much like in a corner, but like Kenneth Walker is the guy that can, like, he he can have these electric skill runs. And Charbonnet is just like, I'm going to put my shoulder down. They Knock of, you out. They kind of remind me of, like, Zeke and Pollard when they yep. were together in Dallas. Like Thunder. Thunder and Lightning. Thunder
0: and Lightning. And, like, the mm-hmm. one
1: play where Charbonnet, like, trucks the guy around, around <laughs> yeah. the
0: one-yard line, and then Walker runs it in. I was like, this is pretty good. This is hard to beat. They're off. I mean, look, they gave up 27 to the Panthers, which they're not going to love. And But, again, Andy Dalton threw nearly 60 passes yesterday. And... One thing that he was going to be able to do that Bryce Young wasn't going to be able to do was go to the line of scrimmage, identify what the defense was doing, and make adjustments. It worked in certain instances because he got some passes off, but it also killed them in other instances because doing the audibles at the line of scrimmage is hard to do when it's really loud, and he had a makeshift offensive line. Whatever the case may be, the Seahawks won, they covered the spread, they did most of the things they wanted to do on offense, and they move, most importantly... The two and one. Now they get a relatively weak Giants team before the bye to hopefully get to three and one. So they're in pretty good shape. If anything, it really makes you go back to that opening loss against the Rams and be like, oh, man, was that a downer? Because if you look back, and again, hindsight being 2020 and everything retroactively, given how they played yesterday, you're like, why couldn't they have bottled some of that? and brought that up against the rams in the opener but overall a good day for the seahawks a good day for jake bobo one of our favorite players the undrafted tight end who caught it <laughs> his first ever nfl touchdown yesterday which was super cool seahawks play monday night against the giants and then as you mentioned in the notes here they head into their bye week where they got to get some of these guys healthy so they we'll talk- to get some of these guys healthy.
1: we'll talk to mike tannier at around seven thirty. talk to him about the rest of the nfl story and there were a bunch of NFL stories the dolphins absolutely destroyed denver mm-hmm. and it wasn't entirely russell wilson's fault like he wasn't on defense giving up 70 points to the miami dolphins miami at buffalo next week that's going to be a game the over under is 130 for that game <laughs> i don't know if anyone saw but taylor swift was in kansas city what uh yeah. really
0: yeah yeah. The singer Taylor Swift.
1: Yeah, it was on social media. I bit. did
0: not see it. Yeah, I was yeah. too busy focusing on all the people talking about the Canucks ten nothing
1: loss. Well, the story for me there is the Bears are a disaster. Like yeah, yeah, Taylor Swift was there, and yeah, she saw her boyfriend score a touchdown. Well, is it her boyfriend? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Uh, but the Bears are Bears are a disaster. Like they, need a, they need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. This was the, they, they were supposed to, like, they, Justin Fields has got weapons now. So we'll tell all, these are all the storylines that we're getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jets, they, they, it's three games. They have to try at least something different. Just try it. Mm-hmm. Just bring, I don't know, put put the coach in a quarterback. Anything other than Zach Wilson. Uh, Robert Salas said he's sticking with Wilson. Said, yeah, he's fine. Uh, no, he's not. You're one and two. There's still time to do something here. Um, the cards upset the Cowboys. The, Arizona it could be three and zero.
0: Yeah, I know They've they had, had way leads. better than everyone thought they were going. They
1: to. They had leads in their first two games, and then they beat the Dallas Cowboys, who came into that game two and zero after dominating wins. Granted, they were over the Jets and the Giants. Um, Dak Prescott, horrible interception. Yep, near the end of the game, horrible. Wasn't, his,
0: wasn't nearly as effective as he was in the first two wins of the season.
1: So there's a bunch of NFL storylines that we'll get into with uh, Mike Tannier. Uh, we can go into the Dunbar-Lumber text line where people are fighting about whether or not it was a big deal that the Canucks lost 10-0. Um, Halford is just willing to just completely flush this game. Like it never even happened. I'm saying that there were some young players that had an, uh, uh, had a chance to at least impress a little bit, and um, a lot of them didn't. So I think there's something to take away from that game. few people texting in and said, <laughs> I like this from Cam from Delta, Bruff woke up and chose violence today. I'm on Team Halford all the way. Yeah, You put a bunch of kids without confidence together and, and uh, without any real pros. Of course, this is the result. The only takeaway from this game is that I have no clue why they don't mix these young players in with at least some... NHL regulars, I don't think 10 nothing is a result that should be in really any game. And I don't care if the Canucks were playing all their Abbotsford players. My takeaway, I do have one takeaway,
0: and it's that the next time you play Calgary, it should just be complete fight city. It should be violence all the way. (laughs) You should be like, what were you doing? What the hell was that? We are fighting. And if that's the takeaway, then I guess there was something from this exhibition game, which means nothing. To nobody. We got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Brough show on Sportsnet 650. David Amber is going to join us next. As Jason mentioned, Mike tenure at 730. We got to get into what the local teams did over the weekend as well. Not great for the Whitecaps. Very good for the Lions. Laddie got to meet one of the property brothers and the Giants one, so that was a big Friday. There's lots more to get into. It's a very busy Monday, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford and Brough show on Sportsnet 650. Be on a Monday, Alfred Bruff, SportsNet 650. Alfred and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer. Today, we are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound, Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. This is them on the internet at
1: Campbell-Pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over tw- 25. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net.
0: Uh, Dan Murphy's going to join us in just a couple minutes here, correct? So that gives us time to talk about. Well, people always want to know what's it like at the Halford and Bruff show. We do behind the scenes during the breaks. How does the sausage get made? They actually don't ask that last one. Um, we were talking at the break. Unless they're asking about my days as working at the hot dog. Factory. Actually, that's true. You right, did use yeah. the so That question does get asked. Yeah. <laughs> it's you not pretty. It at all. <laughs> yeah. Folks, it is not pretty. Um, we were talking about one, traffic. Uh, shout out to everyone that's listening to the Halford and Bruff show currently stuck in traffic as we understand it. Uh, the Alex Fraser Bridge is not pretty this morning. There's a vehicle incident where I think it collided with the median. So that's, that's bottlenecked both ways. Downtown. There's a police incident and a road closure on how I think it's been, I think it's how in Hastings. So be on the lookout for that. So if you're stuck in your car in traffic, Halford and Brough will bring the lighter side, not just of sports, but life to you. Because the other thing we were talking about at the break, the golden bachelor, because we heard the ad for it during, yeah, the break. Yeah. I have no, I had no idea what this was. Mm-hmm. I'm like the golden bachelor. I just assumed it was Brendan bachelor dipped in gold. Like, you know what they do in the Swedish hockey league? when the, the guy gets yeah. the mvp all right
1: people get on your photoshop work here yeah, let's I go th- i think elias
0: peterson they dipped him in gold one year when he won mvp no it's like a silver fox this is ron a ron francis is actually the golden bachelor right so the golden bachelor jason <laughs> knew it right away he's like no 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 that's like a mature prospect for dating so the bachelor franchise yeah, yeah. which i guess has fallen on hard times that television I, series i don't know I, yeah I think the Bachelorette does quite a bit better than the Bachelor, right. so. so they needed to inject some life into it. And the way to do that was to put uh, a septuagenarian in the role. So this guy's 71 years old. And I just got to say, this guy looks unreal. Unreal for 71. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not going to pick, like, uh, <laughs> like my hips out. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> like Wilford Brimley look lookalike? Like the Golden Bachelor? That would be tremendous television. But instead, there's this 71-year-old putting me to shame, I might add. Mm. So the headline is, looking for love and a pickleball partner. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, I think this begins on Thursday night, if you guys are looking for some viewing that's not Thursday night. I'm not. I'm not. Or if the Canucks game gets lopsided again, Golden Bachelor, Thursday night. Murph could be a Golden Bachelor. He could joining us except now. He's, except the only problem I suppose is, is he's not a bachelor. Yeah, right. <laughs> key element to the Bachelor thing, <laughs> being a Bachelor. Joining us now, Sportsnet's very own Dan Murphy here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Murph?
3: What's going on, fellas? Nothing. Uh, how do we? How, how do we feel about pickleball?
0: Uh, uh, b- pickleball, bruff, is awesome. I love play, it. It's bruff, great. All, not just Golden, not a Bachelor. Mm-hmm. The golden
1: bruff, uh plays pickleball regularly. It's like tennis with cocktails. Yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. you don't seem high on it. Sounds skeptical.
3: I know. I, 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 you know, maybe at some point I still haven't given up on tennis, Mm -hmm. but I can see how that's a little more physically demanding, you know, especially singles. There are some rolled
1: ankles for sure. You don't really, there's not a lot of singles pickleball. Like it's a better game when it's doubles. Yeah, and from what I've
3: watched too, it's always just you hit short 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 until someone makes a mistake and then you try to hammer it at them basically. Yeah.
1: You got to have good hands. So my yeah. my okay. short game does not uh you you've seen my short game on the golf course so <laughs> it's it's sometimes a challenge in pickleball. Your touch is not all that deft. It is not, but that's why I need the cocktails during the pickleball. Um Murph, do you make anything of last night's game? Halford and I were arguing about it. Um, he's Halford's basically willing to throw that game out entirely. In fact, he's mostly upset that the Flames ran up the score. I took it a little bit of a different direction. I said there was a few young guys that had an opportunity to do something and a lot of them didn't.
3: I'm probably more, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to read a ton into it, um, because of the lineup that was dressed uh, for both teams, if we're we're being honest here, um, you know, I I would have liked to seen a little more out of some of those players. Uh, I mean, I think I, only a few kind of stood out in a positive a positive light. Um, you know, I was actually starting to wonder, like, how you know, I, I don't even know what the vet rule is anymore in preseason about how they even covered that. <laughs> but I, I suppose they did with Matt Irwin and yeah, uh, and the like. So I, I'm not going to read a ton. Um, you know, what were the shots? 2018 after two for Vancouver, and the score was, you know, uh, 7 nothing. I, you know, I, I think that, I guess the disappointing thing is you'd like to see a little bit more from the guys that were dressed that, you know, are trying to make an impression, you know, to be there for the 11th. And obviously the two guys were highlighted up the top of the show, Pod Coles and, and Holglander would be in that group. Um, You know, and then you you also had, you know, Joshua and Oman in there uh, who are guys that want to be everyday players. So I guess if I was going to look at one thing, I I would would be hoping that those players um, might have shown a bit more. Um, But in the grand scheme of things, I'm not going to overreact to, to that game.
0: I'm more interested in the dynamics that led to this because like Calgary, but like they put their foot on the gas at the, when they announced their lineup, I was like, that feels like a lot of NHL regulars for a first preseason game. And then yeah. they quickly decided that they were going to run up the score. Like there was no stopping them. They were mm-hmm. scoring early, often and late well,
1: point differential matter matters
0: in the preseason. I so, suppose. Yeah. Goal, yeah. <laughs> goal differential is a big thing in the exhibition season. i like when, okay. When you're prepping for this and you see what's coming down the pike with both lineups, are you kind of thinking, mm-hmm. hmm, this is a recipe for disaster?
3: A little bit. I mean, so in a game like this where, um, you know, we're the only broadcast, uh, we're broadcasting into both markets, Right. you usually do a home team interview after one, and then you do a road team after two. And, you know, I knew that I was going to be talking to Tomlinson after two, And so with the producer, he's like, so should we do a, you know, do you want to do the walk off where you're upstairs in the booth? And I, and I kind of was like, are we sure that we're going to get a walk off after two tonight? Looking at these lineups, right? Like, honestly, you're like, I don't know what the score is going to be. Um, So you're kind of preparing for disaster. This is not unusual. Um, You know, usually teams dress pretty solid lineups in the preseason on home ice, right? For their people that buy tickets, Mm -hmm. right? So you put your guys out. That's why I'm kind of interested to see what the Canucks do here Wednesday, Thursday. That's back-to-back road games, Edmonton and Seattle. I would assume that they'll send a few more veterans, some of the better players, into Edmonton, <laughs> and that let let the young guys deal with you know customs and all that on the one-day trip to Seattle the next day. Uh, but I, I'm I'm going to uh, venture a guess also that it's not going to be the same lineup we saw in Calgary. They're going to put some more. Uh, The impact players in, um, but it is, it is a little bit weird that they have three road games to start. Um, So that really tells me the final three games of the preseason. I'm guessing that we're going to see like basically uh, the majority being the lineups we're going to see or very close to that uh, come the 11th of October.
1: Do you know if there's ever any communication between the coaches of the two teams in the exhibition season? Like the Canucks have, two games against the Oilers in the preseason, two games against Seattle, and two games against Calgary. Are there any conversations to those guys and just be like, hey, what kind of lineup are you dressing? Just just so we know. Because I'm sure, like Edmonton wants, Edmonton's got, a, I mean, they're on a mission this season. I'm sure they want to have at least one game where they're going to bring close to a full lineup and just make sure that everything is ready to roll. I could be off on that, but I, I would imagine yeah. that, right?
3: Yeah, I don't think there's conversation. I do think that um, a lot of times these coaches, they kind of set their lineup the night before. And, um, you know, some, sometimes you're privy to the lineups because you want to prepare for the game <clears throat> as a broadcaster. So sometimes we are uh, seeing what the lineup would be like the night before or early in the morning, the day of. Um, and so once, you know, media members uh, that are broadcasting the game get their hands on it, I'm guessing it kind of can sometimes seep through to the other team. Um, so they'll have an idea of what's being dressed, but I, I don't know why I, I'm, I, I doubt that Huska and Tockett uh, spoke, uh, about what they were going to address and what they were going to send, um, prior to that game. I, I certainly haven't heard of that before. I could be totally wrong. Um, but I think that these guys kind of get an idea before it's, it's going to happen. And, you know, I think that, you know, during the regular season, even there's more, you know. Yeah, I think coaches want to know what the other line is going to be, especially when it comes to if they're addressing a bunch of, uh, you know, what what did, uh, torts call them idiots. They put their idiots out there.
1: <laughs> right. right. That kind of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah.
3: So I think, I think that that's a little more crucial once you get the regular season. But in the preseason, it's usually pretty well known that, you know, on the road in the first game, it's going to be a lot of rookies for the road team. And for the home team, they're going to address, you know, players that the fans want to
1: see. So, how do you think Talkett is going to address the remaining five games in the preseason? How many games do you think he'll dress close to a full lineup? Just just because we all know how important the start is for the Canucks, and I would imagine that he he wants at least one or two games where he's got a pr- close to a full lineup, just so he th- he knows that everyone yeah. is on with the system and the structure, et cetera, et cetera.
3: I would say probably two. Right. And, and, and maybe like two and a half, or maybe the game in Abbotsford, it's not the full, uh, complement of players, uh, that you're going to see come opening night. But I think the two home games, uh, certainly, um, that are at Rogers Arena, I think those ones, uh, and, and the last one being one that you'll see pretty much, uh, you know, what we're going to see on opening night. Um, I think you have to to do it that way. I think you need to get Demko some reps in, some game reps in as well. So I would think he would start at least two, maybe play two and a half. Uh, But these are questions that, you know, after a night like last night um, and considering all the, you know, the narrative and rightly so about the start to the season uh, and just the way these guys are showing up early and skated for a few weeks before camp, uh, apparently it was, a, you know, I was there, but you know, I take the word for it. It was a fairly purposeful camp, a teaching camp. I think that uh, you know the necessity is to get um, pretty much what you're going to see on opening night for two games at minimum, and maybe three.
1: The Canucks, uh, their final preseason game is October sixth at home against Calgary, where they're going to be looking for revenge. Uh, but then mm-hmm. they have a few days off. They don't <laughs> actually start the regular season until October 11th against the Edmonton Oilers, and it makes me think about what they're going to do with. Makayev, did Makayev ever show up to training camp? Because I know he had a, he got a few days off, but for personal reasons. Yeah, uh, but there's a lot of. Him. There, it just seems like it just seems like it's completely up in the air because um, we don't know if he's going to play any preseason games. In fact, it's been reported that that's unlikely to mm-hmm. throw him into the lineup I on October 11th. Yeah, it's it's going to be yeah, hard, I and it, it. and I think that's going to leave a pretty big hole in the Canucks lineup. To be perfectly honest well, with you.
3: No question. And just so like, I didn't see Mikhail in Victoria, um, you know, after the first day announced that he was not going to be there for personal reasons. And then the next day, so that would have been Friday, Taka said maybe he'll be here Saturday. The uh, C group, so that the two main groups were skating at the Save on Foods Memorial Center. Uh, the C group was in a Esquimalt at a totally different ice surface. So there's a chance that he could have been there mm-hmm. on Saturday, but I didn't hear any mention of it. Um, considering that he hasn't played since, you know, what was it, March or late February, uh, and he didn't skate with the main group prior to camp, he didn't skate with the main group at camp, and we're, you know, what, 17 days away from the home opener, I I I can't see it. You know, I I don't envision a scenario in which he's playing on October 11th. I could be wrong, but you are right. You know, he is one of the very few that bring that speed element when healthy, to a lineup that desperately needs it. And uh, he is one of the very few. Uh, they've added a few more, though, that uh, has the chops to kill penalties. Um, so uh, there would be a, a massive hole. Um, and I, I don't like, so if they do have to put him on LTIR, well, that's that's 10, what 10 games and 24 days.
1: I think you can backdate it. I, so I thought I read that somewhere. Days. So you actually, because you can backdate it to last season. So I don't okay. know if you're obligated to keep him out that long. Um, so I, I'm not the back. rules so expert. Like Drance, yeah. I'm sure knows. We can just ask him. Yeah. But like, yeah. I'm not sure it's exact. I think you can backdate the LTIR to to last okay, year.
3: But so you could bring him when he's ready. Uh, we're assuming that at this point. So yeah, let's yeah, let's go with I, that. I, we I, might I, be I, just I making this I, up,
1: but who knows? Yeah,
3: I can't see. A, I don't see a scenario in which he's playing on the 11th of October. That's me.
1: So who That's fills that? Answer. Who fills that that spot? Because I think you know a lot of people have looked at the 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 roster and said, okay, Petey and Kozmenko are going to be together, and maybe they'll play with Bovillier, and then J T. Miller and Brock Besser seem to be a pair. And without yeah. Pot Colson was in that spot for training camp. Things have not gone well for Colson at training camp, and they certainly didn't go well last night in Calgary. So I don't know who fills in in that spot some people might say Garland, but he's been with Suter a lot.
3: Yeah, and uh, you know, that's the pair on that line uh, that, they, that they've used. You know, it's been Hoaglander at camp uh, with Peterson and Kuzmenko, kind of seemed like the placeholder for Mikheyev. I, you know, I, I don't know if that is a, a feasible option for Tockett. I think he's going to give it a look uh, when he puts those guys in the lineup. Uh, so maybe he will get uh, a game or two to prove that he can or cannot be in that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think you have to worry more about your first line than you do about your third line. If that means taking Garland off of Pew Suter, uh, you know, as a pairing, then you have to do it. Right. Um, but I would expect that, you know, they're going to give Hoglander a little bit of look there when they do play Pedersen and Kuzmenko uh, in a game, because, uh, they know, is you know, probably better than we do whether or not you know, McKay is available or not how long it's going to be before he is available to play.
1: Do you think Rick Tockett and the coaching staff know exactly who they want to skate with Quinn Hughes? Uh, no, <laughs>
3: I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> like I, 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 I've wondered that so many times myself. Like what? Who is who is best suited to be there? Considering you know, Tockett has often said. He likes lefty-righty, right? He doesn't really want guys playing their offsides. Well, do we think it's going to be Myers? You know, I, I, it, the, the results in the past haven't been great when those two have been together. Um, I, I kind of believe it's going to have to be two guys. Uh, you know, first off, I think they need to find a partner for him long-term, someone that can play, you know, close to the same amount of minutes he's going to play at five and five. I don't think they have that yet. It might have to be two guys that do that. If Quinn's going to be playing upwards of 25 a night and, you know, what 20 of that is, is that even strength? Um, so that I think is one giant question mark for me. Uh, you know, Quinn is going to be fine. He's going to make whoever plays with him look decent. Uh, but I think, you know, if you're going to have Hironic, uh, uh you know, kind of leading your second pair and Quinn, your first, I think you really need to log down uh, who these guys are going to be playing with because you need that consistency. Um, and you know, in a perfect world, would be a, a guy kind of like a Chris Tano. <laughs> Um, But uh, there aren't many of those guys out there right shot Ds that are you know uh, you know there's, there's more right shot Ds that uh, that are offensive type of players. There aren't too many that are more defensive type players. So. Uh, I think this is going to be, you know, one of the big things that Alvin is going to have to look to to do. I think they're fine to start the season right now with who they have, but they're going to have to find the best partner for him, and uh, that might end up being two people to start.
0: Uh, before we let you go, I do have to ask you one question about your new team. So you've got uh, – obviously everyone loves and is going to miss Cheech, but the replacements now, Dave Tomlinson and Ray Ferraro and Shorty's back and you're back as well. Uh, wh- what's the crew like? I know that you've worked with these guys before. How excited are you working with them this season?
3: Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I've always thought that, uh, you know, as far as entertainment-wise goes and uh, getting the chuckle, Cheech has always been one of the best. Um I think that uh, in my mind in television, I think Ferraro uh, for quite some time now has probably been the best uh, color analyst there is. You know, he might be on par with a couple others, but I've always thought that it, it, whenever I watch radio broadcasts, I learn something. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was usually entertained learning something. So I think he's a great addition. And I also, you know, with Tomlinson, uh, he's, he's you know, covered this team before. He's been an analyst. He knows the market. He knows the team, and I think that that's important uh, when you have someone uh, from Vancouver covering the Canucks because mm-hmm. he knows the history, he knows the ins and outs, he knows you know the highs and lows, um, and I think that that when you're you know he's going to I don't know how many games he's going to end up doing forty five or fifty, but when you're doing that many games, uh, to have a clear understanding of the market and the team and the history is super, super important. So I think Dave brings a lot of that element to the
1: broadcast. Do we know if Ray is going to be with shorties or is he going to be between the benches? I believe a little bit of both. Cool. I think he's going to do some games
3: between the benches. Um, But I also think, uh, I I don't think he does any games until November. I haven't seen the full schedule, or I haven't taken a close look at it. Uh, But I do believe there uh, are some scheduled where he will be between the benches.
0: Murph, thanks for this, bud. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week, and uh, hopefully, a better exhibition game next time out. Go
3: Hawks. <laughs> we want eleven. <laughs> we want eleven.
0: Okay, I thought you. See, Murph. Thanks. That's uh, Dan Murphy, Sportsnet's very own here on the Halford and Rough Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Yeah, I hope they use this as fuel, because that's what I would do. <laughs> I would fuel. <laughs> yeah, I take it as a personal affront. I'd be like, look, we had an understanding. There was a gentleman's agreement. I'm big mm-hmm. on. I'm big on unspoken gentleman gentlemen's agreements in sports, right? Well, like, there wasn't a gentleman's agreement apparently, but there should have been. It should have been an unspoken agreement. Like you know, for- you know that you know the Flames are—they
1: uh, don't really care what happens to the Canucks.
0: That's bad, right? bad mojo, man. Bad
1: mm-hmm. mojo. I'm telling you. So like we had—they've they, got—they've had—they've had their own problems that they're trying to overcome, and they're trying to—they're trying to get the vibe back in Calgary. Um, it's too much of a Daryl vibe last season. <laughs> It's fine, but it's, yeah, the pre- yeah.
0: it's the preseason. The first, the
1: first game under Ryan Huska, though you go out and score ten goals. Like I hope now that this has happened, I
0: hope the Flames completely implode.
1: Yeah, like, I hope. Well, they, they were lose. feeling pretty good after Game One against the Oilers too. In the I, yeah, right.
0: I hope they lose all <laughs> their games. I hope everyone gets injured. I hope Markstrom continues to fall apart. I no. seen poor Daryl. You know, you get removed from the equation and then all of a sudden everything's better. How do you think that makes him feel? I hope they have to fire Huska after 15 games. (laughs) I hope everything goes bad. I want all the bad things in the world to happen to the Calgary
1: Flames right now. Right? I'm like the haters ball for Calgary. Because they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't. So we got a text in to the Dunbar-Lumber text line. It's so obvious McKayev needs to be with Miller and Besser. They absolutely need him to be even remotely good defensively. Um, The McKayev I know people are like, oh, classic Vancouver media going to make a big deal about McKayev not going to be ready in time for the preseason. He's an important part of this team. Yes. All of a sudden, you look at that top six, if Mckayev isn't ready to go for game one, and you're like, okay, well, who's going who's gonna to play there? Who's going to play with Miller and Besser? If you want to put Bovillier with Petey and Kuzmenko on the top line, do you take Garland off that third line and put him with uh, Miller and Besser. Okay, well, how does that make your third line look then? Right. Then right. do you have like Suitor between DiGiuseppe and God? I don't know who's going to be on that line. I wonder if a guy like Baines might get a chance. I'm not even joking. Oh, no. D. Baines didn't didn't play um, last night, and, that,
0: and I think he earned the right not to be involved. in because yeah. he played because he's played well. I think yeah. they have aspirations for him. If you didn't play last night, that was a good sign for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Smelling like roses. Yeah. Like, if you you got to uh, not be involved in that debacle... Every prospect
1: who didn't play last night should, like, be sure to, like, share that. Yeah. I didn't play last night, but it looked pretty hard for the boys.
0: You put it on your resume at this point. Like, you know, things... Uh, I have experience in cashier work. Also, I did not play in the 10 nothing loss in Calgary. Like, that's a big Experience thing. not losing 10 nothing. Yeah. I don't know what it feels like. I'm never going to know what it feels like. That's a good thing to do. Okay, we got a lot more to get into on the show. Uh, what We Learns are coming up. We're going to do ours. You're going to do yours. Send yours in. Dunbar Lumber text line is six fifty six fifty. There should be an onslaught into the Dunbar Lumber text line of What We Learns because a lot of stuff happened this weekend. I noticed... Um, the theme in college football on the weekend was coaches voicing their displeasure about disrespect. Mm-hmm. So it was Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, was mad at Lou Holtz, who apparently is still a thing, had no idea. <laughs> and then it was the Washington State head coach, his name is escaping me at the moment, but he was upset and at Lee Corso. what Lee Corso had to say, and they got to you know be on the podium or at the centerfield post-game media availability and just went off. So maybe we can play some audio from there as well. But anyway, point being, a lot of stuff happened this weekend, some of which we haven't got to. So if you want to weigh in, hashtag it WWL. What did you learn over the last 72 hours in sports? Let us know. It's your chance to be on the radio. That's coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.